Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here in the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. Honk, honk, no step on Gosling. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I had to stop the stream and stop the show real quick. I, I, I think we need to remove... Um, because I, and, and because I, I just noticed that you have a a symbol for racism and slavery in your background, and I don't think we can have that on our show. Uh, right? I mean, certainly. When I see the words "Don't tread on me," certainly, I, I don't think we can have it in the background and the foreground. <laughs> I think I immediately think of slavery. Really, uh, you know, uh. <laughs> Um, and, and of course, um, uh, Patrick has noticed this as well in the chat because, um, you two have been conversating a little bit, uh, beforehand, um, uh, says, <laughs> during the pre-preambling, uh, which Patrick <laughs> says, Jeff, the principal would like to have a word with you. Um, and I hear you're also part of this faction group called the revolution, of course, backwards love, which I don't know if that, that works. I don't know. Far, far be it from me to to criticize the great Ron Paul, um, but then uh, pa Jeff responded with, "Hands principal a copy of the Fifth Amendment on a card and says nothing," and Patrick responds, "Students don't have rights." Uh, <laughs> and then Jeff responds, "Hands a hands principal a copy of Tinker versus Des Moines, I believe it was Des Moines is what you meant to say, um, which is how the Frenchies pronounce uh, Des Moines, uh, you know." Oh, I left the Desmoines. ass off of Des Moines. Yeah, it's all right. That's all right. Everyone who's based knows you don't actually pronounce it Des Moines. Um, it's Des Moines. Yeah. And all of my <laughs> friends from Des Moines, of which there's not a small contingent, apparent, according to our uh, algorithmic <laughs> studies or whatever, uh, according to our stats, um, I will never not say Des Moines. Accept it. I know how it's supposed to be pronounced. I'm refusing because I'm not French. I'm Iowan. Um, <coughs> hands principal copy of Tinker vs. Des Moines. <laughs> and grins. Patrick says, listen, I don't even know. I'm just here to enforce the orders. This is just me following the orders. Uh, <laughs> Patrick's, and then Jeff responds, hands principal a copy of the Nuremberg principles and slowly transforms into a laughing Tucker Carlson. At this point, and then Patrick, at this point, we've had our own preambling. I'd like to apologize for usurping the thrones. And now that we've gotten on the, on, on, we've, we've come on the screen, he says, okay, now I can be disruptive. I mean, a contributor. Uh, <laughs> so yes, um, Patrick, first of all, we always welcome your contributions. However, do not take my throne again. So this it's a thin line. It's a thin line you're walking on, Patrick. Just you just gotta watch that line carefully. We always accept your contributions, subject to certain <laughs> time, place, and manner restrictions as as appointed by law. Um, yeah, you don't tread on the show. <laughs> show treads on you. That's how it works. That's how this works. I don't, I don't know if you know how that works. Uh, but of course, all of this is re in reference to, if you don't know what we're referring to, then where have you been? Uh, but... <clears throat> which, congrats. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, 
Um, and I, by the way, I had thoughts on this subject, um, which I forgot that I had thoughts on this subject. So I'm going to see if I can find those thoughts. Um, but uh, a young man, I'm going to try and uh, pull up the screen. So this is uh, from Connor. Connor Boyack was the one who reported this. And uh, I think largely because this, this uh, young man um, is a Tuttle Twin fan and part of their community well, somehow. And, and in Utah, yeah. And also is in Utah, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, this, this is the video. So this, he says, meet 12-year-old Jaden, uh, who was, let me, let me, let me put, let's, let's put the, Let's let's put the good-looking men on the on the screen too. Um, oh, do I have to adjust this? Nope. We are good. Um, meet Z uh, Jaden, twelve-year-old Jaden, who was kicked out of class yesterday in Colorado Springs for having a Gadsden flag patch, which the school claims has origins in slavery. Which just reading that is cringe enough, but wait until you hear the way she <laughs> explains it. Uh, the school's director said via email the patch was disruptive to classroom environment. Receipts by, in by which, the... Sorry, let's be very clear. They don't right. mean because the patch was sewn by some slave labor in China. They mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the they kind mean, of slave labor they're into. Yeah, they mean that... Um, uh, they mean that the Gadsden flag itself has its origins in slavery somehow. Yeah, if you haven't if you haven't heard it, you, you got it. Let's let's listen to from the horse's mouth. Um, no offense to the sh size and shape of her face. <laughs> Thank you. Do they know what the Gadsden flag is? That it's a historical flag. So there, um, the reason that they do not want the flag, the reason we do not want the flag displayed, is. Due to its origins with the slavery and slave trade. Okay, 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 okay. Her mom jumps in and gives the correct historical reference correct. Uh, to the revolution. <laughs> to what she says, to slavery. Um, because, of course, as we all know, at every single slave, uh, at every single slaveholder's house, they had a Gadsden flag. Um, just to remind the slaves that don't tread on me means slavery. I mean, like, okay, just, just, just on its face, like just thinking about this, like why would a slaveholder want to remind their, <laughs> their slaves of this flag? Like, they're in the very process of treading on them. <laughs> That's literally what slavery is, is treading upon the rights of their slaves. Like, the very thing we fought a, re we fought a revolution against. <laughs> and, and, and far worse. But yes, this was, they use it, they flew the flag in order to remind their slaves that they were slaves, or to remind other slaveholders that... Like, none of this makes sense to anyone with half a brain cell, but those aren't the kind of people that are hired in school districts these days. 
<sighs> Moving but, on. Let's. But maybe one sixteen nineteenth of a brain cell. Uh, let's keep listening. That is what was, that's the reasoning behind the not The gadsing book. The don't tread on me. But she doesn't even know the flag's name. She said the don't tread on me. Like the mom keeps informing her the Gadsden flag. Uh, the don't tread on me. Like, she doesn't even know what she's talking about. She has zero awareness of the situation. She has zero awareness of any of the historical anything. Like, I, like, first of all, can we just, I'm going to see if I can pull up on this absolute unit of a, of a boy. Uh, if I can zoom in a little bit more on this, because, let's see. Yep, there we go. Um, this, this will work. Um, right there. That is right there, the face of a child who knows for certain that they are smarter than their teacher. <laughs> and in this case, very likely correct. Like <laughs> this, this, he is like, he is holding it in. You see it several times where he is about to start laughing because, oh my goodness, she is so, she, yeah, she couldn't start a fire with the amount of brain cells she has to rub together. Like there's, there's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is just, oh boy. But it's, but she just doubles down. Of course, she's, she's so, she's so intelligent. This, this intellectual. <laughs> and, and sorry, can we just point out that if it's just inherently true that anything having to do with the American founding is automatically tainted by slavery. There's an American flag over her shoulder. She's sitting underneath an American flag. So you can't just tell me that it's like, yep. 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 And Patrick says in the chat, you know what else is like slavery? This place by which he's referring to the school, not the chat. Of course, the chat is a place <laughs> of freedom and liberality. As I just said, that I tread on them. <laughs> True freedom. Freedom to be a good member of the chat. Okay, so he he um, he's. What's going to happen if he doesn't take it off? He. I mean, he is able to go. I was actually just telling him, like, I was upset that he was missing so much school i'm like ah so i'm upset that he's missing so much school this is so unfortunate the fact that i keep forcing him to miss so much school <laughs> like look what you're making yeah. me do to you this is the, this is abuser language <laughs> like right like why are you making me do this to you child just just comply and then we will we can move on you can go back to class just take off the patch which by the way she never actually and learn questionably <laughs> it has become questionable what you will learn now in that class <laughs> but but notice that she never actually says he can't go back to class without removing the patch like she's just saying she's strongly implying it which right. tells me that uh the whole don't uh just following orders thing is a little bit uh exaggerated mm. that this is a personal vendetta that she's not sure how far she can push 
Yeah. Maybe. Probably. Because let's never forget this. I'll never forget this. Never forget this. This is the thing that I said. I wrote a tweet about this, and actually it, it, it upset some people who knew me in real life, but I had, I had to explain to them. I said, never forget that judges are just lawyers who shook the right hands. Now, what I meant by that wasn't that necessarily judges are bad or that lawyers are bad. I'm saying they are not a special class of human being. There is a lot of connections and, and, and specifically knowing the right people. What I was saying was that just because someone's a judge doesn't make them a higher class of human being. And it's the same exact thing with schools. Like everyone who knows a teacher in their life knows that there's nothing magically special about people who work for the school system. And that suddenly makes them more intelligent than everyone else. I know that for a fact because I've sat and talked to students in my, in my youth ministry who have told me some of the things they've, taught, they've been taught in school. And I'm like, are you joking? You're like, yeah, no, that's what my teacher said. That's stupid. Uh, and I also know that there are, stu there are teachers who are on my elder board who have learned from me. And so obviously, they're not a higher class of academic greatness just because they're teachers. And I'm not putting them down. I am saying, stop putting them on pedestals. They're just people. In the same way that judges are just lawyers who shook the right hands, they're just people. There's, nothing, there's no gold in their blood. Can we stop pretending that maybe some of them who have ascended to higher levels of... of of um, administrative uh, administration are just petty people with petty uh, vendettas. And, and this is maybe just some crazy person who happened to get the right degrees and say the right things in interviews, and she has absolutely zero intellectual credibility. Happens all the time. Anyone who's worked for that boss, and I know that you know which boss I'm talking about because everybody has had that boss and wondered how the heck they, they advanced to the position that they advanced to, knows that just because they advanced to a higher level doesn't mean they're a higher quality of human being. All kinds of factors go in. I'm also not saying that all administrative people are lower quality people. I also have known very, very good people in, in administrative positions in schools. But let's, let's not pretend that they're not people with agendas, with things that they want to push. And it seems like she's tiptoeing uh, throughout this whole video because she's not sure how much she can actually get away with. Which is why the best advice, anytime you're in a meeting of any sort, especially one like this, do exactly what they did. Record the whole thing. Yes. Y'all got cell phones <laughs> with ca video cameras for a reason. Record everything. If there is anything that smells off to you, record it. I mean, at, what's the worst that can happen? Nothing happens and you delete the video or the audio recording. Okay. Who cares? But, but if, I, I wonder if this video, if they don't video it, do they get, because we're going to get to the response that they got, would they have gotten that response if they didn't video it? I don't think they do. I think, I think the teacher keeps trying to push what push their luck, um, and and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and by the way, 
if you live in Quebec, um, first of all, how dare you listen to this show? And second of all, um, <laughs> uh, then your uh, federation of your 34 teachers unions or whatever, uh, I don't know how you do it in Quebec, um, even though, as I've shown, I parlez vous very well. Um, <laughs> uh, but I parlez vous okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, your, your federation of teachers unions has actually said that they support a cell phone ban in schools, not because they do claim it's also because the kids are distracted and yada, yada, yada. But they come out and say it's because they're afraid of being recorded. Huh. And if you want to if you want to find that quote, you can uh, go on uh, Twitter to at AB Parents Union uh, uh, run by some good people I hear. Um, uh, you should probably go there AB. anyway. Yeah, at AB Parents Union on on Twitter, and uh, it's a relatively recent tweet. Um, yeah, from it also from gives that. them lots and lots of money. You should do that for sure, um, whether or not you visit them on Twitter. Um, That's right. But uh, uh, let me see. When did I? Uh, I mean, they um, uh, tweet that it was. Oh, it was further ago than I thought. Um, Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, August 25th is when uh, at AB Parents Union tweeted that uh, uh, tweeted that story, if you want to go find that, from the Montreal Gazette. Um, so August 25th was not the date on the Montreal Gazette story, but that was when we tweeted it. Um, it's a... August 23rd Montreal Gazette story. Um, you can find that if you like. Anyway, but but yeah, this is why I'll say teachers unions are increasingly warming up to the idea of cell phone bans is because um, they're, they're afraid of being recorded. Um, huh. So just something to yeah, know. Then you'll have to then you'll have to bring video cameras like old school. Yeah, or in this case, I mean I think the mom is recording it, so <laughs> yep. you can't you, that wouldn't have stopped this. <laughs> yep. So I asked if can he just take his stuff out of his bag and go back to class? Like I just want him to go back to class. The bag can't go back. It's got a patch on it, because we can't have that in and around other kids. So that's what I was trying, and then he said you were close. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it has nothing to do with slavery. That's like the Revolutionary War patch that was okay. displayed when they were fighting the British. Like, that wasn't, that's the revolution. Maybe you're thinking of, like, the, um, the Confederate, or Confederate flag? <laughs> okay, I, so, I am just history here history to enforce, and... no, I am here to enforce the policy that was provided okay. by the district, okay. and, Definitely, you have every right to not agree with it. I mean, yeah, because yeah, the ACLU says that he's allowed to wear that if you like go on their website. 
Bold move citing the ACLU. Yeah. Uh, that that's like uh, hmm. Well done. Uh, th basically, that tells me the mom came in prepared. Yeah. Um, she she knew what was going on. Uh, <laughs> and and the, uh, yeah, she just I'm just I'm just trying to enforce the 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 policy as it was given to me. Um, fact track check will later prove that to be false, but right. uh, <laughs> but that's what she's claiming here. Hey, I'm just following orders, which is always a great defense. Uh, but shocking that someone who misreads American history so poorly. <laughs> can't read a school board policy <laughs> not at all yeah and she and what's so funny is the mom is being very patient like maybe you're thinking of the confederate flag no she knows exactly what she's doing we can't have the dangerous message of liberty in our schools are you kidding me the kids might think they're free all all I'm saying is that unless there's like a ban on patches, period. Like if you said there's no patches allowed at the school, you cannot display what you think or anything like that or what. Okay, and I gotta zoom in for this next part, uh, because the kid's gonna speak. Cheer anything like that. Um, I I don't I think it's like one sided, you know, because you allow some patches but not other, other patches. Other kids have patches like other names and like the American flag and yeah. Oh, and then he looks at the teacher. I just like, what do you say to that, teach? Like, I, I kind of love this. I, I because, because of course, like, what they're pointing out is the very, the very true, um, reasonable thing, which is that if you you can't just ban, like, like it's not, like, yeah. Other kids have patches. It seems pretty one-sided that only one type of patch is not allowed to... to they're, they're, they're only one patch that they're not allowed to have. Because, of course, everyone... You know, so many of those kids have BLM patches, have oh, rainbow cool. patches, have trans flag patches, kids? because... How about the teachers? Yeah, Ukraine patches. Yeah, oh yeah, these are all over the walls of the teachers. Uh yeah yeah you you know there's only one type of bat but of course you know I I think um this is one of those debatable topics I think on Twitter today is is it fruitful to point out double standards you know some people are like you know it's not a double standard it's hierarchy and I think that's very true um I think this is a circumstance in which it is a very fruitful place to point out double standards especially when these these are state actors bound by the US Constitution. Um uh no thanks to them, but <laughs> these are state actors bound by the US Constitution, um who are required not to have uh speech restrictions based on the content of the speech. So they yeah. can they can restrict speech um, it, to uh, in ways that are to help the the school operate in an orderly fashion. Uh -huh. um, that's that's the Tinker v. Des Moines standard um, is uh, that 
that you can restrict speech if you can show a reasonable connection to uh, to the uh, orderly operation of the school. But if you can't, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what you certainly can't do in any context as a state actor is restrict speech uh, inconsistently based on the content yeah. of that speech. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Um, which very much is uh, is that play here? That was like flown during the revolution, but um, yeah, I, I just don't understand that at all. So what I can do is if you go onto the ACLU's website, side, yeah, let's let's talk to someone. I can, I I can have you speak to I, I can have you speak to our, Jeff Yoakum okay. again, okay. Um, and then he can refer you to our person at the district. Okay. Um, because, like I said, we're following district policy okay. is what we're doing. The last thing I want is him out of class. Yeah, I know that's he all he, he takes his classes seriously. Yes. He studies. He do, he wants to get straight A's. He did that. He made all. See, personally, I want him out of class more. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm just gonna say that. I I think, uh, his his intellect. Oh shoot, I screwed up something. Um, uh, his intellect is being wasted. Uh, in this school, uh, so uh, personally, I, I would like him out of class. When he was here before, yeah. he intends to do that again right now, but it's hard because he keeps missing class for this. So I understand that. Yeah, and I, I mean, we teach him to always stick up for your beliefs, and I mean, you're going over the revolution this for seventh grade. I mean, the founding fathers stood up for what they believed in against unjust laws. This is unjust. Okay, I. Like I said, we're upholding a policy that was provided to us, which we have to uphold. Okay. Can you show me where the policy So, um, yeah. And that's that's pretty much the end of the video as we have it. Um clearly the conversation kept going. But but this is You could um, not show where, where the policy actually says that, by the way. Um yeah. but even if she well. could, you know, like like say if a uh, <clears throat> if a red coat were able to show you in the policy, how you're not allowed to have that gun there, or how you have to pay for this stamp there. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> so in other words, like the, the the point she's driving at here is, and also, even if you can, shove your unjust laws. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, as I think I've said on stream before, my one my one secret little addition to the new city catechism that I've made uh, is uh, I've added the Augustinian statement. Uh, what do we say to an unjust law? An unjust law is no law at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, what's really funny is, um, what was it? Um, so, the and then uh, Connor Boyack points out that they actually eventually gave an explanation for which law it was that they were breaking and it is this one that is highlighted right here um okay. yes yeah look real closely at that it says uh refer to drugs tobacco alcohol or weapons which i guess don't tread on me 
kind of refers to weapons, sort of. If you really squint at it, <laughs> yeah. If you if you turn if you stand on your head and you squint, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see, see how. I would, I would expect the uh, <laughs> Molon Labe uh, flag, yeah, or Molon Labe patch to maybe fall under this more, um, uh, especially the one that has a cannon. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, I would expect maybe that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, snake venom, I guess is sort of a drug. A boot can be a weapon, <laughs> I guess. Oh, uh, and then, uh, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, what was it? Um, yeah, basically. Okay. So. Uh, but then in the end, this is what the the Vanguard, which is the school board of directors, ended up saying: "Is uh, yesterday the student returned Vanguard, with the by patch the way, is, a is a violent reference to warfare." Sorry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, with the patch still visible on his backpack, following the district's direction, Vanguard administrators pulled the student aside so that they could speak with his parents and the district. Upon learning of these events today, the Vanguard School Board of Directors called an emergency meeting. From Vanguard's founding, we have proudly supported our Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the ordered liberty that all Americans have enjoyed for almost 250 years. Already I hate it. Just saying... Uh, the Vanguard School recognizes the historical significance of the Gadsden flag, the Gadsden flag, and its place in history. This incident is an occasion for us to reaffirm our deep commitment to the to a classical education in support of these American principles. At this time, the Vanguard School Board and the district have informed the student's family that he may attend school with the Gadsden pla flag patch visible on his backpack. Sincerely, the Vanguard uh, Board. Uh, school board of directors um now at this point I, I guess i don't know is vanguard a private school or a public school um, i don't think i actually know that no it's it's a district it has to be a district school because of the references to the district both by the administrator and in this statement sure okay yeah it's um yeah it is hilarious it's just and, and it really just and this is um i got i'm trying to find my quote tweet of course i've been buried in much bigger accounts as quote tweaks bigger account but less awesome let's be clear uh let's see oh I, i'm not gonna find it in the lineup someone uh but basically my my response is um this just proves that he is smarter than than that than that teacher and it's uh and is honestly the case in so many different in so many cases that that kids like this are just smarter you know like it and and it's yeah it's sad to say um but that's where we are because like i think the the big thing is even if this vanguard school is a private school the truth is right now we're in a situation where if you're still expecting to follow um 
what what are they called um accreditation guidelines um the all of your teachers are being taught these things at public schools at private schools that are just as liberal as public schools you know like this is this is where all the teachers are coming from this is what they're all going to all going to believe and so it's a it's a charter school it's a charter school go yeah yep yeah, that that seems right um, and and by the way, I should have realized uh, it's not Utah; it's Colorado. And the reason I right, should have realized course. that is because Jared Polis, uh, uh-huh. the uh, self-proclaimed most libertarian governor in in the U.S. Um, yeah. Um, Good. Well done, so, Cato. Uh, so, uh, uh, so yeah, um, th- and. This is a good. This is supposed to be a good school. It, it's it's the third ranked school in Colorado. Um, the bar must be pretty low. So so like, <coughs> yeah they they. But I mean, one of the issues is um, uh, charter schools often are subject to more state control, more state regulation than uh, other schools of choice. And that is especially true depending on the state. Um, And uh, let me just check my handy dandy uh, Heritage Foundation uh, ranking for Colorado's charter school law. Um, (laughs) um, But 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 yeah, it's a uh, it's so uh, yeah, it's hard to blame the family for being in the school when it's supposed to be like one of the best <laughs> uh, schools in the state. Um, but uh, all right. Um, Good thing I'm not showing my uh, <laughs> uh, screen here, so I would have just doxed something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, but but ultimately, like, there's one thing that we have to remember is that, um, first of all, get your kids out of public schools. Uh, that's that's my lesson, and I'm gonna say, uh, um, I'm this is speaking for me, not for the uh, director of the Alberta Parents Union. Uh, homeschool your kids. Uh, but also, if you can't, if that's not an option, make sure that you are getting them reading the Tuttle Twins because this is what Con- also what Connor Boyack posted. That face when you tread on a Tuttle, Tuttle Twins reader for wearing a Don't Tread on Me patch. That's right. And with, with, it, with the little smile and the little... And the teacher, like, looking kind of like... Uh, I think that's just a classic shot, and that is exactly right. Uh... You know, get your get your kids the Tuttle Twins. Um, also, notice this. This is the other patches on his backpack. They ha- you can tell why they went after that one. Um, and yet, like, look at some of the other patches he's got. I'm going to see if I can. I, I'm not. Let's see. I'm going to zoom in. See if I can zoom in. 
Oh no. Oh no, that didn't work. Alright, oh. Uh so like J Rod for VP. I'm not sure who that is. Uh it says based right there. Um well, there's I wonder a... I wonder if that's him. I oh, wonder if he yeah. runs for some school. And well, then Revolution, which is a famous this is from the chat. Um famous Ron Paul uh uh logo. Um you've also got some, like it looks like Christian uh some kind of a, an angel. I can't quite make out this one, but this one looks like it actually has a gun on it. That's why I'm a little bit weird. Like, why did they? Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not seeing it right. And then you got the doggo, the Dogecoin dog. Uh, I think it's uh, yeah. Um, but basically, that kid's that, all, that kid's that, that kid's gonna be just fine. The one that might have a gun on it uh, might be a unit patch um for a unit of the military so that might be why they avoided that one lol um but uh and um uh, yeah unfortunately it looks like colorado is tied for first with indiana according to the uh national alliance for public charter schools um in terms of their uh charter school law so that's discouraging <laughs> mm -hmm. um uh yeah you know like i'm a big supporter of charter schools because i'm a big supporter of more choices not fewer um but i i'm i'm pretty honest about i think they're of relatively limited value compared to more freedom from uh government control um so um this this is the one that most people point to that's the ranking most people point to but um there's a uh center for education reform ranking also let's just see um boy it's harder to read um oh oh these are a b c d f got it um okay so let's see colorado falls in the b range according to the center for education reform um this is actually very easy to read um Very easy to uh, see what might be the problem here. Um, it's actually pretty good. Um, actually, pretty decent. Um, oh. School autonomy. Okay. Colorado gets a uh, five for school autonomy out of 10 and a four for teacher freedom out of 10. So there you go. <laughs> that's, that's part of it. There, there's some 
heavier regulations, it looks like. Um, oh, sorry, it's four out of eight. And uh, sorry, five out of five out of eight and four out of five. Okay, no, then it's not as so. Yeah, can't really blame the law. Um, can't really blame the law that much. Like room for improvement with the law, but can't really blame the law that much. Um, but you can blame people who are just wildly unfamiliar with their constitutional obligations. Yep. Um, and I'll just quickly quote <laughs> uh, two Supreme Court cases, both about both where school boards were uh, the rights violators, found to be the rights violators. So West Virginia State Board of Education versus Barnett. Um, it's famous mainly for this quote. Uh, so West Virginia versus Barnett is about um, whether Jehovah's Witnesses have to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, and uh, uh, so this went one way during World War One, and was basically reversed in World War Two. Um, and um, uh, and so Justice Robert Jackson, writing for the majority, says, if there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official, high or petty, can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion, or force citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein. So pretty clearly, school officials cannot tell you what to believe <laughs> or how to express your beliefs. Um, so in as much as this is saying you can't have a don't tread on me patch when you could have a Black Lives Matter patch, that would be uh, a violation of West Virginia versus Barnett. Um, but then I was also referencing um, Tinker uh, versus Des Moines. So that would be the Des Moines Independent Community School District. Um, and this is uh, the, the plaintiffs are two people named Tinker, a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old. Uh, Mary Beth Tinker is the 13-year-old. I don't remember the 15-year-old's name. Um, and a couple of other kids, there are five, five kids were punished under a policy um, where they wore black armbands to protest the Vietnam War in, in school. All they did was wear black armbands. They did not cause a disruption. They did not block hallways. They did not unfurl a banner and, and, and interrupt class or anything like that. They just wore black armbands to school um, and were and were penalized for it. Um, and uh, I, I so here's my favorite <laughs> quote. So they're actually quoting um, Maya Meyer v. Nebraska here, actually, um, in in this decision. They say, in order to submerge the individual and develop ideal citizens, Sparta assembled the males at seven into barracks and entrusted their subsequent education and training to official guardians. Although such measures have been deliberately approved by men of great genius, 
Their ideas touching the relation between the individual and the state were wholly different from those upon which our institutions rest. And it will hardly be affirmed that any legislature could impose such restrictions upon the people of a state without doing violence to both the letter and spirit of the Constitution. So I love um, uh, I love that. So here's the key holding. Um, uh, a student's rights, therefore, do not embrace merely the classroom hours. So here, here they're slapping down the, well, you can express yourself academically in the classroom, but we, we have to keep order in the lunch hall and all this, right? Um, so he says, a student, uh, and this is, um, this is, who, who's writing here? I forget. Uh, oh, Justice Fortas, who is, I don't think the uh, Chief Justice at the time, but by far the oldest Justice at the time. Um, um, so, okay, he says, a student's rights, therefore, do not embrace merely the classroom hours. When he is in the cafeteria or on the playing field or on the campus during the authorized hours, he may express his opinions even on controversial subjects like the conflict in Vietnam, if he does so without, quote, materially and substantially interfering with the requirements of appropriate discipline in the operation of the school and without colliding with the rights of others. Um, so that, um, um, and then one, one more quick quote from uh, Tinker. Uh, freedom of expression would not truly exist if the right could not be exercised only in an area that a benevolent government has provided as a safe haven for crackpots. I, I love that. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> um, so, uh, so this is, um, I don't think free speech zones were even a thing uh, at the time of Tinker, but he's, he's already blowing up the idea of like free speech zones. You're allowed to, here's your safe haven for crackpots <laughs> where you're allowed to speak your mind, um, but, uh, but not outside of this uh, of this area. Um, so, um, so anyway, um, but, uh, and, and, and basically the main, uh, the main holding here is this was not disruptive. You can't punish kids for expressing themselves in a non-disruptive way. Um, and uh, and it, it's a it's a sh it's a short opinion. So anyway, um, so um, yeah, we have a there's a just abundantly 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 clear <laughs> uh, constitutional background here, which is why the references to the ACLU are appropriate here because um, uh, because. They would be, they would be the source that I'm guessing a fairly liberal teacher would trust 
to get the law on this matter right. And to their credit, the ACLU still does get the law on this question correct, um, despite their best efforts. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, um, so yeah, it's it's interesting that um, you know these people are uh, first of all, first of all, okay, I, I'm I'm questioning the methodology of a uh, of a ranking that puts a a charter school law high when charter schools are having to apply school district policies. Like one of the whole one of the whole ideas of a charter school is that you're supposed to be free of the stifling bureaucracy of the school district. How, if you're applying school district policies, um, are you are you really um, an autonomous charter school. So, um, but then, but then on top of that, they have to realize, okay, if in as much as you're applying school district policies, the school district itself, um, charter schools are in an interesting um, constitutional uh, zone that we're probably going to be hearing more about in uh, in uh, coming years at the Supreme Court, um, but but in as much as you're applying school district policies, the school district itself is a state actor bound by the Constitution, <laughs> um, and uh, and so in as much as you're applying their policies, you need to know the constitutional requirements that state actors are required to follow uh, when they're applying such policies. And, the, and, and there's a, obviously a, a giant failure here to have done that. Yep. Well, um, I'm actually thinking we might want to skip the next topic and save it for next week because we got to get that China to update. Oh, okay. And uh, we're 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 uh, we're getting to the end of our time. Okay. Yes. We uh, we had we had things to say. So give us the cliffs notes on what how you are becoming a uh, a vassal state of of uh, an eastern power. Yeah, well, we 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 already we already uh, have been a vassal state of a uh, of a power just slightly to the east of Ottawa, by which I mean uh, Washington D.C. Um, but uh, <laughs> those rich uh, men north of Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, um, I I but before we entirely leave Jaden. I want you to give the viewers just a taste, then, especially if if we're only doing this one last one. Uh, give the viewers just a taste of the sort of thing that they can see in the talking token uh, uh, section 
that they that they could see if they go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover for just one dollar a month join our secret discord server um uh, because we uh um they would have been able to see a a meme in the talking token so the so Jaden took over even the talking token channel um and uh that's right even there uh, um here we go okay there we go uh, i appreciated this and wanted to steal it uh <laughs> it's it's uh I, I love this this is the perfect uh image um yeah and, and i kind of am just like I, honestly they had that kind of friendship i believe oh that yeah. might be that might be what was going on that yeah. uh <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and in case and for those listening <laughs> it's a picture of of the the teacher doing the 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 well i'm just following orders face which and and looking at Jaden, who's got that holding back a smile face uh and over her it says jrr tolkien and then over uh him c.s lewis writing a story where jesus is a lion and santa claus is there too yeah yep yep <laughs> yeah in case you don't get that jrr tolkien both said he he cordially dislikes allegory which is a little precious jrr um like, yeah i mean often overstated too by the way like it's very much overstated i mean yeah I mean, it's impossible to know what eru Luvatar might be all about um but uh <laughs> um uh <laughs> but um actually back when he was actually funny uh stephen colbert did a hilarious bit on that where uh where uh um cnn used um a balrog as a as a stock photo as if it were a demon um and he did a and stephen colbert did a hilarious bit where he's like that's not a demon it's a balrog and de demons are fallen angels who didn't want to serve God, so were cast into hell. Uh, Balrogs are are fallen Maiar who didn't want to serve Eru Iluvatar, and then. And so, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's, um, so yeah, I, it, me me think. Methinks the professor doth protest too much, but, um, uh, but so so there's that, and then there's there's also he he said he, um, he doesn't he doesn't like when you mix mythologies, um, uh, so there shouldn't be, um, uh, oh there there shouldn't be like, um, a a pan creature and dwarves in the same mythology for instance um and and c.s lewis just throws them all in a mixing bowl uh and especially lion the witch in the wardrobe and, <laughs> and and c.s lewis says hold my ale yeah yeah <laughs> so so <laughs> oh um, but I, I do want to comment on something that patrick said in the chat before we move on from Jaden too um okay. he, uh he said um the fact that nothing has been done with either the ignorant or lying 
uh, admin shows my black pill nature is on saving the on saving the system. Yeah, I, that's one of the things that I actually commented on right away when I saw the um, that that um, note from the board. I mean, they they essentially said Jaden's in the right. He can wear whatever he wants, but they did so without actually making an apology. Yeah, like no actual apology was given there. Like they, there's no. We regret our actions. There's no nothing like that. It's just like, oh, of course, we've always believed this. Well, not in the, not in the day that Jaden was pulled out of class and forced right. to sit in a room with his mother and this teacher. Like that's, you didn't believe it at that point. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, China. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, yeah. All right. You, you mentioned, uh, the, uh, um, China swiftly, uh, becoming a, uh, a vassal state, but not if, uh, not if our, our primary suzerain has anything to say about it because Michael Chong is, uh, so Michael Chong is the member of parliament who, uh, was, uh, directly intimidated by the Chinese Communist Party, um, and uh, and spoke out about it uh, on the floor of the House of Commons. He is testifying um, before the United States Congress um, uh, about about Chinese interference. So um, so while uh, while Canada doesn't seem to be <laughs> investigating uh, Chinese interference with Canadian democracy. Uh, maybe the United States will get interested, <laughs> um, and uh, and maybe that will require some more uh, 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 curiousness on behalf of Canadian officials. Um, Although only I, out of embarrassment, I mean, yeah. It seems like it seems like um it seems like Canadian officials can openly muse about how uh uh about how authoritarians might win the next US election, um, as opposed to all the other US elections. Um that oh guys, we're worried this time the authoritarians might win. Um uh but uh, there, there's even one authoritarian that wants to like get rid of the Department of Education and the FBI and the, and the um, cause you know, that's what they, they mean a Republican might win. Um, um, uh, but uh, so apparently Canadian officials can openly muse about that. Um, Canadian officials can issue travel warnings to members of the, uh, I'm not gonna, even try two S L G B T Q I A plus etc. Alphabet folk. Yeah, that uh, a travel warning, out uh, 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 like a hilarious travel warning because it doesn't warn them where not to travel to. Um, it's a travel warning that says, "Hey, some parts of the U.S. we're not going to tell you which parts <laughs> might be dangerous to you." Um, if you identify primarily by the 
interesting ways you use your genitals. Um, uh, uh, some parts of the United States, we're not going to tell you which ones uh, might be dangerous. We're not going to tell you how to avoid that danger. We're also just going to refer to the fact that uh, organizations in the United States have issued travel warnings. We're not going to mention where they've said not to travel to because it's Florida. Um, <laughs> um, uh, we're going to refer to those as if they have anything to do with anything when um, when the the travel warning from those organizations was um, don't travel to Florida if you can help it and make sure to tell everyone uh, why you're not traveling to Florida on your social medias. Um, and also, if you do have to travel to Florida, make sure to protest against the government while you're there. That was the travel warning um, that that the Canadian government used as its pretext for issuing a travel <clears throat> warning um, for Canadians traveling abroad. And I was I I I was saying, can you imagine if like we issued a, a travel warning to the Falun Gong, uh, and we're like, uh, we're warning you not to travel to certain parts of east asia we're not going to tell you which ones um, and not to engage in certain activities while there we are not going to tell you which ones um, it's like which is no, much more reasonable threat like that is it, an actual it, it, threat to their that, life right it, but but which is why we would never issue a travel warning like that because there's an actual threat to warn against um it's and so it would be it would be callous and stupid to issue a travel yep. warning like that because that's not what you do in those kinds of situations, which is how you know this isn't a real travel warning. Anyway, sorry, I didn't even plan on talking about that, but okay. So apparently, Canadian officials do not care about pissing off our big bully neighbor. Um, but uh, um, uh, but at any rate, uh, Michael Chong is going to speak to the U.S. Congress. Um, things might get interesting is I guess what I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You hope but, that it's not, I mean, I, there's ulterior motives, you know, people who want to start a war with China, of course, we're yeah. not, we're not into that, but still it's good to talk about this. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, um yeah yeah and then i i don't have a lot to say about the um tasha Keridan column uh that can be where we uh skimp a little she just points out that um that I mean, it's quite a headline yeah um yeah liberal inaction permitting china to colonize canada um, and, and she just points out that, um, that Canadian sovereignty, um, is at stake here and the liberals do not seem interested in doing yeah. anything about it. And she, and she points out, okay, so when, right. She points out when, when you say sovereignty, who really it, it, it's you're going to have a hard time getting Canadian voters to to go. Oh yes, yeah, sovereignty. That's 
that's what we really care about. Um, but but she points out, okay, but if you care about housing, um, Chinese money laundering inflated Canadian property values for decades and helped push home ownership out of reach for today's buyers. Um, on drug addiction, China is the main source uh, country of fentanyl found in Canada. I was talking to a guy who imports uh, stuff for a living, and he says to import something from Mexico, it gets combed over like you wouldn't believe. It's it's like eight extra days at customs every time he brings in something from Mexico. Um, uh, but but the fentanyl isn't actually coming, and fentanyl is the big problem in Canada right now. And I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's the same in the U.S. I kind of assume it is, but fentanyl is what the big problem is right now. The fentanyl is not coming from Mexico. Uh, the fentanyl is coming from China. And he says he brings stuff in from China. No delays ever. Mm. So so it's a it's a huge problem is for whatever reason. They're not applying the same scrutiny to Chinese shipments as to Mexican shipments when for yeah. some reason yeah when the real problem when the real problem right now if, if drugs is what you're worried about you shouldn't be worried about mexico right now um yeah. so i it, it, she's okay if you care about the economy china started a host of canadian industries for control like control chinese control from lobsters to lithium um and um uh, and then this one's this one's interesting. Um, as for individual pocketbooks, remember Nortel, the Ottawa company, was a global leader in the tech business in the 1990s. It stock a fixture in the retirement portfolio of millions of Canadians. They lost their shirts in a scandal that fingered Nortel's chief executives. But evidence has revealed that Chinese state-sponsored hacking was really to blame, for the benefit of none other than Huawei. Huh. So, uh, so anyway, she she points out that actually this China file intersects with all kinds of things, um, uh, and uh, yeah, um, and I actually, <coughs> um, uh, I actually remember seeing some stuff about the uh, Chinese attempts to take over the lobster industry because um, I was I was looking into uh, some education becoming a lobster policy. fisherman no I was looking into some education policy stuff in New Brunswick um, and saw that that uh, that actually the current premier of New Brunswick, who is holding strong on the uh, name and pronoun policy right now in New Brunswick? He didn't want um, he didn't want to take a China skeptical stance when uh, when that topic came up uh, at the time <coughs> because China had basically taken over the lobster industry and he didn't want the lobster industry to go under from Chinese retaliation. So it had nothing to do with the education policy. It had to do with the with the trade policy. Um, so um, 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it has that that leverage has a uh, has mattered. But what I really wanted to get to is did, if you had nothing else to say on that on on uh, that element. No, of the, yeah. The story. What I really wanted to get to was this last one. Um, All right, Lily Gibolt Gilbolt. Well, Okay, yeah, yeah. I was close. Uh, criticizes Canada from Beijing, but silent on China. This is uh so 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 um what okay, so basically so the environment minister, Stephen Gilbult Beult calls out Canadian companies and regulators while visiting emissions leading China. Um, you know, the, the side eye of that one uh, from the Toronto Sun was, was spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> that, is a, that is crazy. Like, look, like, think about what he's saying. What he's doing is, he, okay, so he goes to Canada to criticize, or to China to criticize his country while sitting in the most yeah, the the most uh, environmentally destructive nation in in the world. Uh, th but like he couldn't have done it from home. He had to go over there. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Well, so as it says, uh, Stephen Gobo wrapped up a meeting on Thursday with the China Council for International Cooperation on Environment and Development. This is an organization founded and controlled by the Chinese Communist Party, but Guibo serves as executive vice president of the group. Huh. So China's, sorry, <laughs> Canada's, <laughs> it's so, so easy to do. Um, Canada's environment minister is the executive vice president of a Chinese Communist Party agency. Huh. So. <laughs> There's nothing uh, questionable about that at all, is there? Um, yeah. <laughs> so. And and they um, they point out that uh, previous environment ministers, environment ministers Peter Kent in 2014 <coughs> under Stephen Harper and Catherine McKenna in 2016 <coughs> under Justin Trudeau had also attended the annual general meeting. Um, uh, but Lily points out neither of them participated with this group at a time when China was interfering in Canada's elections, operating illegal police stations to intimidate Chinese Canadian citizens or after China had kidnapped our citizens. Um, For instance. <laughs> um, so, um, and, and also, by the way, I, I'll also just say it was probably pretty wrong then too. Like, yeah, I was not a fan of Peter Kent, um, and <laughs> um, and crap like this is part of the reason why. Um, uh, but regardless, um, it was probably wrong then too. 
but it's definitely hard to stomach now. Just, just, um, just under, before we even get to what he said while he was there, just his cooperation, just his being there, just his being the executive vice president already seems like a problem in the content. Um, But then he points out that um, Guibault wasn't critical of China while he was in Beijing. You know, China, like the world's leading polluter. (laughs) He was not critical of them while in Beijing, perhaps because he was heeding the warnings issued to him ahead of time. An article on the Global Times, an organ of the Communist Party, said that if Guibault pushed for China to accelerate its path to carbon neutrality, quote, the output could be counterproductive. Is that, is that like um, a horse head in your bed? <laughs> uh, that would be the low emissions way of doing it, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but uh, um, so, and that I, I uh, let me let me just scroll down real fast and see if he points this out. Okay, uh, he doesn't. Um, you you want to guess, Iowan Cap? Um, when China projects to be carbon neutral, and this is non-binding, just like their own non-binding statements of when they plan to be carbon neutral. I I don't know. Uh, I mean, most people are saying I don't know. I have no idea. I I would I wouldn't even have a. Range so for guess. for context, uh, Trudeau and Guibault are pushing for 2035. Um, Alberta is willing to promise 2050. So this is the big conflict between uh, the big conflict. There are innumerable big conflicts between Alberta and Canada right now. But um, but uh, I love how you say that. Alberta and Canada, like the best yeah, conflicts between Ottawa, Alberta and Canada. I usually say Ottawa, but it, but the government of Canada and the government of Alberta um, are <coughs> are uh, fighting across multiple fronts right now. But one of the big ones is twenty thirty five is the Canadian uh, target, and twenty fifty is Alberta's target. And Alberta just straight up cannot meet the 2035 target without needless human suffering. Vast amounts of needless human suffering. Okay? So, (laughs) um, Canada probably can't meet the 2035 target, even if you're not counting Alberta (laughs) as part of Canada. Um, the rest of Canada probably can't meet the 2035 target, but Alberta and Saskatchewan are the two places where it is the hardest is going to be the hardest to meet um, because we don't really have hydro. And even if we, even if we did, um, you can't get hydro approved. Uh, uh, 
you can't ramp up nuclear quickly enough. We'd love to. Um, <laughs> you can't ramp up nuclear quick enough. You know, thorium is not going to be a thing in time. You know, like <laughs> geothermal is something that Alberta is working on, but it's not, there's not going to be enough um, in time. And wind and solar, it's just, I'd like to introduce you to the concept of Canada um, <laughs> uh, and, and not coastal Canada uh, in, in terms of wind. There, we've got plenty of wind in the southern part of the province and plenty of sun in the southern part of the province. And we've got a ton of wind and solar in the southern part of the province. It's just not enough and it never will be, um, or not in time. So, um, but what we, what we do have is the biggest oil spill in the history of the planet that we're trying to clean up. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so anyway, um, so, but, uh, but that's the conflict domestically between 2035 and 2050. So now that I've given you that context, I'll give you one more chance to take a guess as to where China, where China lands on that, on that conflict. Oh, let's do 2070. You're, you're very close. 2060. 60 oh 2060 so, so so china's useless promises <laughs> are which all of them later. are all of these are useless promises let's be real about this like no no one's actually going to be carbon neutral period it's not going to happen not just but but 2060 is when they're claiming um so their useless uh, promise is even worse, is even further behind Alberta's useless promise. Correct. Although wow. I think Alberta could probably do it, especially if they let us go nuclear. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm always looking to go nuclear. Yeah, I, I've noticed. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, uh, but, okay, so here was his statement. To see the leader of a great Canadian company say that he is basically disengaging from climate change and sustainability, that he's going to focus on short-term profit, it's all the wrong answers. Um, so uh, he's, he's talking about the, the new CEO of Suncor, a publicly traded Alberta company um, that has been very enthusiastic getting behind all the climate change nonsense for as long as I've known who Suncor is. <laughs> um, they, they actually, Suncor's CEO stood behind Rachel Notley, the premier of uh, the NDP, uh, which is to say socialist premier of the province when she announced the made in Alberta carbon tax. Um, uh, the CEO of Suncor was standing behind her supporting the plan. Like, uh, because they, they said it, uh, they said it would, it would give, um, it would give Alberta and, and thereby Suncor 
the social license to continue to uh, to get pipelines was the main was the main argument he was making to get pipelines. If you want to get pipelines to Tidewater, we need to we need to buy the social license by by taxing ourselves into the dark ages. Um, and, and so, uh, but Suncor was all in on that. Suncor has been all in on uh, the renewable targets and, and was all in on everything until the government said 2035, uh, carbon neutrality. And Suncor goes, well, no, we can't. <laughs> um, and they, um, they've, I think they've missed a couple earnings calls um i think they've missed a couple projections uh, uh when it's come earnings call time and so it was at an earnings call that he said yeah we're gonna we're gonna pump oil because that's what this company does we pump oil so we're going to pump oil and and stop worrying quite so much about the unprofitable parts of our company um it was basically was basically what he said it's like don't worry we're going to try to make money now instead of trying desperately hard not to make money. Um, uh, right. Like that was essentially, that was essentially all he was saying. Um, and, uh, and, and by the way, at the earnings call, he said, we're still committed to hitting our 2050 target, which is the target we've always had for carbon neutrality for this company, this, this company that pumps oil, is going to be carbon neutral by 2050. Um, uh, and and yeah, and Lily points out that Gibault even um, even blamed the forest fires on Suncor wanting to pump oil instead of lose money. What? So what <laughs> yeah yep right here yep that is crazy <clears throat> um so um and then yeah <laughs> He also criticized gas price regulators for allowing price increases to gasoline in July, uh, which is when the national carbon tax and the clean fuel regulations, which some people like uh, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation are calling the second carbon tax because they basically are. So look, the idea People will say all the time, oh, a carbon tax is actually a conservative idea. Sure. If you put on a carbon tax and remove all regulations, that is a conservative idea. So you price, you price the carbon output, and otherwise you get rid of the Alberta Energy Regulator, you get rid of uh you get rid of your clean fuel standards, you get rid of all your other regulations and just say you pay more based on how much carbon output you generate, right? And to otherwise get out of the way, that is the conservative idea. 
if you put in a carbon tax, um, and, and what makes it conservative is, if you agree you have to have a government, not so fast, but okay, if you agree you have to have a government, you have to tax something, <laughs> all taxes are distortionary, all taxes are bad, you might as well tax something you want less of, like carbon, okay, fine. Um, so you get rid of all the regulations, you tax carbon, you've got to raise money somehow. So maybe you can get rid of other taxes, um, distort, distort the market less in other ways. You tax carbon, you get less of it. Um, and you get the regulatory state out of the way, save money, by the way, by getting rid of some of the regulatory state. That's what makes it a conservative idea. Instead, it's you're going to pay a carbon tax on top of all the taxes you're already paying. By the way, those taxes are going up too. And we're going to add more regulations. It's like, well then, so then no, this has no resemblance to anything a conservative economist ever said would work. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, the the this whole um this whole like oh no a, a a price on carbon is the free market way of handling this sure if you if that's all you did if you did it instead of regulations and instead of other taxes and instead but no that's not what you're doing so um but anyway okay so national carbon tax and the clean fuel um uh, so the national carbon tax went up, he means, and the clean fuel regulations came into effect, which may, meant prices had to go higher. <laughs> um, and uh, and he called those price hikes unfair. And Lily points out, looks like Gibo forgot the very purpose of his policies on the carbon tax and clean fuel yeah. regulations yeah, is to that. drive prices higher and encourage customers to choose consumers, sorry, to choose other products. Um, <laughs> so, um, and then he, he ends by saying, if, if only Gibo were as tough on China as he is on Canada, prior to heading to Beijing and criticizing our industries and government agencies, he was engaged in fights with provincial premiers. On China, the country building a coal-fired electricity plant a week, sometimes more, Gibo is silent. Yep. So. Yep. Um, <laughs> so yeah, part of part of my struggle uh, in uh, putting this story in the secret discord, which you can get to by uh, going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and paying just $1 a month. Um, what uh, part of my struggle in knowing which channel to put this in our secret discord is knowing whether to put it in the secession channel or the current <laughs> event and news channel, which is where I put China to stuff. Or, <laughs> and, um, um, uh, or where exactly, where exactly this belongs. Um, uh, because yeah, frequently I would put stories like this in the secession channel. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. But um, um, but yeah, um, it 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 is frankly, um, it is frankly just wild to me that in the middle of serious concerns about just how in bed with China this government is, um, a major minister of the crown who is actively at war with provincial premiers <laughs> um, will go to Beijing to criticize um, to criticize an Alberta company and and Canada's own regulators. Um, it uh, I think I think we've just we've gotten so used to the absolute clownishness of these people that that it's uh it's almost hard to calibrate appropriately how unbelievably outrageous it is <laughs> um that that someone i mean there th it was probably never true and to the extent that it was true maybe it wasn't good but they used to say that politics ends at the water's edge that that members of the government would put aside their partisan squabbles when it came to anything touching international relations. Um, but so I'm, I'm, I'm just now catching up on Patrick in the chat who is just, just yeah. wild. He's here. on fire. <laughs> um, uh, so, and you too can be in the chat with Patrick or read it later if you're normal um, uh, for just one dollar a month at buymeacoffee.com slash fly um, uh, But, okay. Uh, or if you would like IOANCAP to be carbon neutral by 2035, there it is. How much would that cost? How much would that cost them? I went cap. I mean, to get wind, uh, solar. Um, I mean, man, like, I mean, uh, I, I'd say about 60 K. Okay. Okay. I, I mean, you couldn't, you, I mean, you could not send me $60,000, but, but like, then do you really care about the environment? It's really I, about, it's really up to you. It's on you. I, I think you just like wildfires. If you're not sending 
I land cap sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, so like why do you up. hate the forest? That's yeah. <laughs> um Yeah. With turtles so, getting turtle turtles choking on plastic straws and you could have just you know you could have ended that by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. And and paying just sixty thousand dollars a month. Um, <laughs> That's all. <laughs> it's so reasonable. Um, or if you do want Iowa to go nuclear, um, <laughs> you only need five dollars for that. Five dollars is <laughs> the right topic, and I can go nuclear. All right. <laughs> 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 uh yes um so uh um we will uh we will even name it the um uh the charles haddon collider in your honor <laughs> um, <laughs> um but uh anyway um so yeah, it's uh, that um, that with with all these concerns about how in bed with the Chinese Communist Party this government is, for him to go to this event run by the Chinese Communist Party. To, uh, at which he is an executive vice president, <laughs> to drag his own country in multiple ways is like I was. I was saying before we recorded, like they have climate conferences in Belgium. Just like wait, right? Like, <laughs> just it would be, it would be, so much less. Just overwhelmingly outrageous. If you just waited and did it in any other country, but but you have to do it in the country that is openly manipulating our democracy, openly and not in a good way, um, openly, <laughs> um, uh, openly uh, opening up uh, fake police stations to intimidate Chinese Canadians, uh, openly harassing duly elected members of our House of Commons who are Chinese, uh, intimidating them with their connections in mainland China, basically intimidating them that they, they will persecute their connections in mainland China if they don't get in line. Um, uh, kidnapping Canadian citizens um, in exchange for, by the way, the Canada arresting and extraditing um, an executive of Huawei. Um, uh, to the United States. Um, anyway, the and, and then and then yes, on top of that, <laughs> that this is a this is a country that is rapidly carbonizing. Not decarbonizing. <laughs> this is this is the most rapidly carbonizing country in the world. They even admit they're not going to 
be carbon neutral until 2060. They probably aren't going to be carbon neutral ever. If they are, it will be because they played a disastrous game with their own population and they're having a demographic collapse would be the only reason they would be able to meet these goals. If they if they successfully avert their demographic collapse, they are definitely not going to meet their carbon goals. Um, and good, by the way, I don't want as 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 much as I despise the Chinese Communist Party, I do not want the Chinese people to suffer needlessly because of because of some unicorn fart plan for renewable energy is if we if we want these if we want these people to live like humans and uh and not like uh uh and 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 not like a a, a mere animal existence almost um without modern energy then then we shouldn't be rooting for china to meet its its carbon neutrality goals and by the way we should be rooting for china to have more kids because kids are good <laughs> children are a blessing from the lord um, and and a a demographic collapse in china will be uh bad for china obviously bad for real people um in that country and bad for the world so and that's if that's if a demographic collapse does not lead to other uh rash actions on the part of the state um uh of red china so anyway <laughs> it's it's it, it's just it would be unbelievable if it hadn't become so tiringly, exhaustingly believable <laughs> um, that um, that this minister, in particular, of this horrid government, <laughs> would uh, uh, debase himself really uh, to this point. Um, so. But the good news is, <laughs> um, were an election held today, this this government would get crushed. So, um, you know, I'm not actually the world's biggest fan of uh, the Conservative Party of Canada either. Um, but uh, compared uh, compared to this absolute joke. Um, uh, I I might have to uh, work up the gumption to celebrate. Um, I think you're being slandered in the chat here. Um, uh, not exactly slandered as misrepresented, uh, which okay. I don't know if that's slander exactly. Uh, okay. what, uh, he's referencing Cave to the Cross episodes 237 and 238, in, uh, which I believe are the best performing uh episodes that he's ever had i'm pretty sure they're topping the charts like that he's never he's never had a better episode because nobody does podcasts better than me i do the best podcast 
Uh, and of course, you know, because because I think he's jealous that it's not as good as his, that his, his other episodes are not as good. That he's he's having to kind of you know like to, to spin things as if I said things that weren't exactly exactly the way I should. But if you want to know exactly what I did say, you should definitely go to cave to the cross dot com slash two thirty seven and and uh, watch that in the next episode and see what I did say about China uh, and. <laughs> <laughs> for this week for this week yes uh for all time that's what I, what did i say uh is that what i said yeah <laughs> since, um since god spoke to abraham the best performance <laughs> um uh so, second, I think uh, second only, like those those episodes, 237 and 238, were second only to episodes 150 and 151, which, oh, you know, okay. if one of us is is good, how great is two of us? Yeah, there you go. I'm just there saying. You, uh, um, you know, what I, think, what I think would really <clears throat> take the top off of it is if Tony interviewed the two of us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That, yeah. That would just, yeah. That would just. That to the moon, really. Well, we're we're currently plotting having Tony on our show, uh, <laughs> so we'll interview Tony, and uh, <laughs> you know the, the the superior member of Came to the Cross apologetics. <laughs> oh no, but yes. Anyway, yeah, I I, I did talk about China a little bit in that show. You 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 should definitely go watch it. We had we had some good conversations there. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Okay. I I think we're ready uh to uh uh go to our best source of renewable energy. That's right. That's right. We're going to tread on over Ooh. to the bookstore and <laughs> look at Dance of the Nutcracker by Paul Thompson. Alright, here we go, Drossel Meyer. Uh, chapters 10 and 11 are what we read for this week. Um, and that is in spite of the fact that we really, really, really wanted to keep reading into 12. Uh, yes. <laughs> both of us were like, oh, dang it. Do we have to stop here? Um, but we are, uh, yeah. Chapter 10 is what we are uh, where we start at and um uh the end of chapter nine Karis ended up in bed with him although it, it seems that nothing untoward happened but they were in the same bed uh because in the morning she's gone um you know pastor pastor josh would have words for drossy like you're, you're playing with fire here a little bit buddy i don't know yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> But basically he but but he's he runs his hands over the crystal box and breathes a sigh of relief because it's still there. Of course, remember the crystal box is what he got from Ezreal, which contains the scroll that must be read with magic sight, with the magic sight that um will be used that that when you look at it, you have you will learn how to enter the globe worlds. But then it'll immediately or soon after disappear. Um, Y'all are saying things in chat that I can't say until later. Uh, 
But um, but Dillian marches in. Dillian busts through because um, even though a lot has happened with Ezreal, they still just realize like so much is happening in just a short period of time. Because he says, just yesterday, uh, he says he comes in and he says, I want to talk about what we talked about last night. Um, because he wants to know, uh, because he wants to know if Fritz has a plan yet. And of course, Fritz doesn't. Drosselmeyer does not have a plan yet. But <laughs> he, uh, he kind of fakes one on the fly. Um, which, which uh, his, his basic plan comes down to he's going to, essentially they're going to choreograph the fights um, so that no one actually gets killed. Uh, and then uh, afterwards, they're going to have guards who are actually the prisoners um, set in place in order to uh, cart off the bodies and hide them and make it seem like they died. And then from there to smuggle them into the woodlands uh, among the woodlanders, um, which uh, Dillian and doll Dillian thinks would be an easy sell to his brother doll. Um, but wonders if um, it'll be as easy to sell to um, what is it? Mar Marissi Moriel Moriel. Yeah, Mario. And wonders because Mario comes from a noble family and wonders yeah. if, if it'll be possible to sell the plan to him. However, can we flash forward since I know I'm not flashing forward to a chapter where you're not supposed to be talking about Right, this right. <laughs> it turns out that that well, yeah, when they when they get together later, yeah, and they start in fact to talk about it, it turns out that Mario is very much in. Um yes. because uh, he, because if, and in fact, his condition is he wants to be smuggled out as well. So with Dillian and Dahl, who are going to, and. to, to be, to, because they want to be snuck out, but also he, he, he says he wants his courtesan to be smuggled out with him, which is strange to everyone involved. Um, and so they say, and, and, and Dillian looks at, Fritz and one or Drosselmeyer wondering if that's even a possibility. Drosselmeyer says, you know, what's two more to which Mario responds three. And uh, Fritz is slow on the uptake, but eventually they all <laughs> figure out that exactly what he's talking about is that he actually got his courtesan pregnant and wants to escape, run off and, and essentially elope with his courtesan and uh, his child. And, um, and that's so, so Mario is very much in, however, uh, there's some question about the fourth warrior, um, known as, uh, what is it? Terrence or Torrance? Torrance. Torrance. And in fact, they never, they never approach him with the plan. Um, because, because Dillian, he's been uh, has been beating Corson. Partisans. Yeah, Dillian basically comes uh, says, "All right, before we talk about this, follow me," and goes up there. And apparently, Dillian, as the former champion, has apparently the right that he can claim any courtesan he wants. Uh, apparently, that's that's his right as a champion because he walks in there and he says, uh, "I want your. I'm taking your two girls." And then Torin says, "You know, uh, I don't. I thought you didn't. Uh, what was it? Um, uh." 
I thought you didn't exercise that right. And he says, it was a courtesy, one that I'm rescinding. And so, brings the two courtesans in, um, which, by the way, when they come back, uh, Charity has returned, and, and she's ticked uh, that, that Fritz is bringing other girls into the house. Um, understandably. Um, but, uh, but basically, Dillian shows why he does this by... I'm removing the strap of her dress and showing the bruise marks all over her. And as well as this girl, this other girl, because uh, apparently um, Torrance is not a nice guy to his, to his courtesans and, and especially to the girls who um, he says that courtesans are not allowed to kill, but there's these other slave girls that are not as restricted. And so Dillian asks uh, Fritz uh, if he um, asks Fritz, um, what is it? Um, uh, what is it? So um, my brother fights Torrance tonight, Dillian went on. Would you like to go up and convince him to temper his bloodlust so we can live? So he, so we can live? Fritz thought of the girls racing out the door for a brief moment. He was in Alexander Palace. Where, the, where young slaves were treated in a similar fashion. Bile rose in his throat. Tell Dahl to make Torrance's death glorious, Fritz hissed. <laughs> so, um, so while Mario, Dillian, and Dahl all agree to the plan, um, Torrance, uh, they don't even ask him. <laughs> um, and then later when, when Dahl takes on Torrance, um, it's actually a really fun fight scene, but you know, can't do it justice. It's really, really well. Again, all of his fight scenes are really good. You like if, if for no other reason, uh, well, say it again. he writes good fights, <laughs> very good fights. Um, you should, you should grab, grab the book. Um, also I think this would be here. Here's me floating something out there. If any of you guys know art, I think this would make a great graphic novel. I'm just saying, I don't okay. know if, if that's something that revered author, uh, Paul Thompson would be into, but I'm, you know, he, he draws a picture. I mean, we got more evidence that someone who has played Drosselmeyer on the stage might want uh, this turned into a stage play or a movie uh, uh, because of the pretty ladies. Um, uh, <laughs> we, <Fair. laughs> we, we got another, we got another scene where it's like, <laughs> Oh, it would be fun to fun to be Drosselmeyer in this. <laughs> Well, you know, um, you know, for someone else, obviously not, you know, uh, present company excluded, yeah. obviously. Um, yeah. Uh, you could, you could make it really trippy by having, uh, the same actress play, uh, Marzipan and uh, Marzipan. Why did I say Marzipan? Marzi. Um, and, uh, and what's her face uh, from uh, the last book? Um, and and yeah. uh, Karis. Um, uh, you could have uh, you you could you could have a a a married a married actor play have his wife Katerina. Play. Katerina, yes. Um, you could have a married actor have his wife. Uh, play all three of uh, all three of the love interests, and then and then when uh, uh, when Fritz uh, 
when each of the love interests turns in turns into Marzi before his eyes, it'll be that much more believable. Um, <laughs> I'm so, sorry. I'm second guessing that if that's the right name. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Fool me. Anyway, <clears throat> either way, um, Catherine is either a character in the play or the character uh, yeah. that was his love interest in the second book. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Anyway, um, either, but yeah. Um, so then, so so after Dahl wins and defeats Torrance, um, they they do have a, a victory celebration. Uh, which involves a lot of alcohol, which does lead to a, a close encounter um, between uh, Drosselmeyer and Karis as they head back um, to their room. Um, so there's a close encounter. She, they, they end up, there's the slow lean in and the kiss. And then uh, it says Fritz pulled back and in his wine-soaked stupor saw Marzi looking back at him. Her long, dark brown hair, her long, dark hair, brown eyes, and red lips all beckoning to her. And uh, if you want me, come to me. Fritz blinked. What? If you want me, Marzi said, come to me. He stumbled back, knocking into a kitchen chair. He fell back into it, and Karis once again occupied the room. Um. So, and then he he says, uh, so he has to turn her down. Because, of course, he's still in love with Marzi, and it wouldn't be fair to her. Um, and so, um, Drosselmeyer preserves his chastity for another night. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it was a, it was, that was a very cinematic scene as well. That was very, uh, yes. very well written, and it's kind of, and it's, a uh, touching and heart-wrenching and, and all that, um, you know. Yeah, because, you know, Drosselmeyer can't seem to... Uh, can't seem to win at love because he's got on the one hand he's wondering if he he, he doesn't know if he's ever going to see her again and so there's the temptation always for him to move on um, and yet he just keeps coming back of saying no I'm going to I'm going to find her I'm going to rescue her I'm going to bring her back um, yeah um, and then uh Chapter 11, um, there is, uh, they're all invited to feast with Malregent, um, which is not the way things usually work. And so there, there's a little bit of a, of a uncertainty, um, that, that all these guys have a, a let all that, all of them received a letter and, um, Uh, but yeah, the, the, Fritz looks at Dilly and says, should we be concerned about this? Normally I'd say yes, but this year is very different than years past, he replied. Um, but, uh, and this is where we find out that Mar Mariel is, in fact, in. Uh, and then they continue to, uh, and then from there they start to work on their plan. They practice their, their uh, fight scenes. Um, Uh, and, and then Karis prepares 
Fritz for the meal, but the meal is really where, uh, and and of course he's making preparations by by contacting by saying you know get get Nico D and Luden to come to the games because that they're going to be the fake guards who are going to cart off the 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 fake dead the the dead. Um, but the meal is where everything gets wild. So they they all go in. Uh, there's a what was it? Um, all of the Lenyamore are lining the road with their uh, needled fingers pointing straight and their leafy wings unfurled. Um, and Fr Fritz wasn't sure if it was pomp or intimidation. Whatever the intention, the latter won out. And they all um, they all go into the meal, and basically what they have is the warrior's feast or the champion's feast, but instead of it being one person, it is all four of them. Now, the first thought I have is, did this just, did this just ruin his plan already? Right. Like, are they, are they going to have well, another champion's for feast? For a couple of weeks, like, is he just going to kill all of them right now? Because I yeah. really thought that was possible. Yeah. And does this mean there's not going to be another victor's feast? <laughs> Right, so is his whole plan gone up in smoke? Um, but <clears throat> but basically, they they decide um, they they eat and um, says Fritz ate his food in small measured bites, which means that he has read the proverb that when you uh, when you eat at a at a ruler's table, put a knife to your throat if you're given to appetite. So, uh, you know, he's being wise, but also Actually, mostly because of the poison. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's mostly yeah, worried he's going to get poisoned. That could have, that could have been the, uh, the quote for the chapter or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. think of that proverb in that context, but yeah, that's a very appropriate. <laughs> um, but then halfway through the meal, Malregent claps his hands, the servants wiped the table clean as quickly as they had set it. And then um, new chargers and silverware were set in front of each warrior. In the middle of the brief chaos, Dillian leaned over to Fritz. This is the weird part. Chris responded with a brief grimace. And then uh, Malregent sits upright in his chair and says, Today we celebrate the defeat of the coward and thief of Delisia, the man who ran screaming, the one who stole what was mine. Malregent's fingers floated to his neck and stroked the thin silver of the thin, thin sliver of gold at his collarbone. <clears throat> a servant wheeled a cart to the end of the table and parked it near Fritz. A sizable box smelling strongly of sugar and vanilla wrapped in gold foil sat atop the cart. Once upon a time, Malregent's voice mellowed and the lights in the room dimmed. A knight charged into a cave to battle a dragon living there. The hairs on the back of Fritz's head stood straight. After the dragon had melted the knight's armor, he began to laugh at the half-naked man before him. The knight laughed along in the serpent with the serpent until they became fast friends. And then one night when the dragon was sleeping, he slew the creature. The warrior shifted uncomfortably. Fritz felt his chest tighten. This sounded like the bedtime story his mother used to tell him. 
except twisted and dark. Some dragons are friends, Malregent explained. His dagger was out, and he balanced the blade tipped down with his finger. Some are not. It is best not to take chances and just kill them all. Malregent waved the dagger in the box on the cart, and the box on the cart vanished, revealing a three-tiered cake. The frosting was white, with gold flowers and vines swirling up the sides. The top layer was a large circle with a crest on it. We commemorate the death of such a dragon by defacing his family crest. Wherever the traitor dies, may his flesh burn and his bones rot. For as his face went white, his hands trembled, and he gripped his pants to stop them. The crest was a raised bird in the middle of a golden disc. He'd hidden this exact pendant in his mouth as a boy when his mother had dropped him in France on the steps of Ivanov's home for orphan boys. Is something the matter, Drosselmeyer? Malregent asked, his eyes fixed and pointed. He rocked the dagger by its pommel in threatening pendulum-like arcs. Uh, it seems that we were right about one of our theories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and then they, they do, uh, and of course, Dillian covers for him. And, and, they, they, and they have this weird ritual, right? Where they stab the crest, or they stab the uh, cake. And out of it flows kind of a raspberry jelly, um, a red viscous fluid. So some kind of a filling floods out of the cake. And so there, and he says, um, uh, St. Christopher stabbed our Supreme Emperor in the back when they battled. We returned the favor by stabbing the cake with his family crest, Dylan explained. Um, Fritz nodded, unblinking, and dispassionately plunged the knife into the cake. A red viscous fluid oozed out of the cut. Fritz smelled the cloyingly sweet aroma of raspberry syrup. And so, uh, and, and then a few minutes later, he then removes the curtains and he says, at Malregion's command, uh, in the frame, uh, well, and then, then behind it, in a frame of solid gold, hung the portrait of a man and his wife. Behold my fallen enemy, Mal Regent boomed with a glint, a glint of malice in his eyes. St. Christopher and his wife, Lady Sophia. Christopher was a handsome man, tall, swarthy, with a kind face and a warm smile. His blonde hair shone in a nearby light that the artist captured with quick strokes of white. His emerald green eyes glinted on the canvas in such a manner that Fritz wondered if he was trapped in the painting by some complex spell. He followed the painting down to the woman, and his fork fell from his hand and clanged on his plate. Lady Sophia had golden curls piled high on her head. Her flowing gown looked soft and warm, in the same sunlight reflecting off her husband's hair. Her lips were frozen in a loving smile as her delicate fingers intertwined with her husband's over her shoulder. Fritz knew those hands had listened to her tell stories, had watched her care for Franz. He had called her mom. Fritz stood up from the table, mind numb, and walked toward the door. And so he basically sleepwalks back to his, 
his uh his home and uh it's funny because then um uh when he sh shows up Karis tries to speak to him she says uh Drosselmeyer I need to tell you something but Fritz cuts her off and says I just saw my parents Fritz said ignoring her they were in Malregion's palace Karis scowled at him your parents I thought you said they died when you were young they did Fritz tugged at his hair I've never seen my dad, but I remember my mom. He had a portrait of my mom with my dad hanging in his palace. I don't understand. Karis twisted a new handkerchief in her hands. How do you know it was your parents? Um, sorry, by the way, her eyes were red, so it looks like she had been, she had been um, crying. The, the yeah, there's something going on with Karis, and Fritz yeah. is not letting her get out with it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> How do you know it was your parents? Fritz traced the family crest around his neck. The medallion. St. Christopher's medallion. The one he took for Malregent? Karis asked. No, Fritz replied and stared at Karis. His excitement began to grow. The family crest. That's my medallion. I have it. It's, it's back in my world. But I have St. Christopher's pendant. It's the only thing my mother left me with at the orphanage. Karis rose from her seat. Her face had drained of color and she steadied herself on the table. Are you saying you're St. Christopher's son? Fritz nodded. Yes. Karis gasped and she clasped her hand, clapped her hands over her mouth. I need to go. She raced from the room and Fritz heard her command a servant to run and get Benson for her. Fritz floated to his bed, too slogged in the haze of his own revelation to fully notice the dark winged creatures. Flying through the air, silhouetted against the moon. This was just executed to perfection. <clears throat> now we had kind of, we kind of piece it together, um, but reading it was like the way he, the way the realization hits Fritz is just potent uh man that's good um and something's going on with cars we don't know what's going on with cars um but then the next thing to happen is that um basically dillian shakes fritz awake and kind of uh you know like what's going on why did you leave why did you just leave and then um but basically then reveals that they are now all under house arrest with Linyamore guards outside. Uh, and they've told, they, and Hyatt himself outside saying, by decree of his majesty and most high lord Malregent, all warriors must remain in their quarters until this evening. Any deviation will result in death by beheading. And what's worse is Fritz puts his hand, slids his hand, his hand between the leather cushions where he had hidden the crystal box and found it gone. So, this, I believe, is what they call uh, crap hitting the fan. Yes. Uh, because um, this, is this was probably Malregent's plan. I'm willing to bet that Malregent knows exactly who Fritz is and staged that but, whole thing. Because, to be clear, if Malregent doesn't know who Fritz is, Malregent is a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Um, it, it seems very clear that that is what, yeah, he was, uh, he was, 
uh, trying to draw it out, and now he has his confirmation, and now uh, we... <laughs> I haven't read far into Chapter 12, but I've read far enough to know that all of Fritz's plans are about to go out the window, which is when the story gets good, which we'll continue next week when we return to the Dance of the Nutcracker by Paul Thompson. Grab yourself a copy. All my sanctification to not keep turning pages. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh man, the self, the, the the fruit of the spirit of self control, uh, was running uh, light, but I had just enough to put it away. Um, <laughs> but we will be returning to this next week, chapters twelve and thirteen, as we continue this story, Drosselmeyer, uh, the Dance of the Nutcracker by Paul Thompson. Grab your copy; you will not regret it. It is such a well written story, and I hear. He'll be, uh, he'll, he, he should have a, uh, an audio book with a, um, Paul Thompson original oh, score yeah. coming. Uh, I hear from his Twitter that he, or X, whatever, that he will be having one of, uh, he'll be getting that ready hopefully shortly. So, um, so if you want to catch up very quickly, that's a great way to do it. Go grab that audio book. Um, but yeah, you won't regret it. I just realized something is that. Group, uh, group audio, like group call function. Now, X Spaces, and his other company is called SpaceX. We don't have time to unpack that, but um, <laughs> join us again next week on Preambling, and we will. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I believe now is the time when we say enough preambling. Let's get to the show. And by the show, we mean preambling. 